uh, that we've been doing. Um, I think this is the, I think it's the third or the fourth, the fourth message, I believe. We've been looking at the Beatitudes, again, our starting point, and we're going to actually read some from there as we go on, uh, the Beatitudes we see in Matthew chapter 5. But I just wanted to go ahead and just by way of introduction as we work on, we're going to be looking at Blessed are the Merciful today. It's a very powerful teaching that we have for that. Um, but in verse number 23, just before chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount, where we have the Beatitudes there, I wanted to go ahead and give you just some introduction to what was going on. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Isn't that interesting? I remember John Wimber used to say, you know, that we used to just be happy if we could get someone not to sneeze as much having a cold or something. But wherever Jesus went, and whenever he encountered disease or sickness or, or whatever was there, he always brought the kingdom, the presence of the kingdom, and the presence of the kingdom meant that people were completely healed and limbs grew and, and blind eyes opened and everything that took place there. But because he was doing this, verse 24 says, that news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering pain, severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, those paralyzed, and he healed them. And verse 25, and this is no surprise, large crowds from Galilee, the capitalists, Jerusalem, and Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Can you imagine if you had someone that had that kind of anointing and there was, there was literally no physical cost involved in that, that you would, you know, that you would make whatever journey it took to get there and pay whatever price it took to get there. But again, that's the leading up to Matthew chapter 5, because upon doing this and all the crowds coming and the power, the healing power, miracle power flowing, that's when Jesus went on the top of the mountain to do the Sermon on the Mount. And we said before that when he went and he sat down, that it was speaking as in the rabbinical seat. And what he was saying about all the Beatitudes, those we studied and those that we will be studying, is listen up. These are very, very important. These are kingdom principles that we need to understand in that. So let's just read down, and then we'll um, read down to verse 7 we'll be looking at today. Chapter, Matthew 5, and start in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And then today's message is verse number 7, Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And this is a very important passage, even though it's just that one little beatitude that's there. Very, very important as we look at it. And really, I think as we go through it, at least for me, I won't confess your sins, I'll confess my sins. This is one that's, that's harder. This is one that is so important and so vital that we adopt as um, not just understanding, but as a lifestyle in that. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. All right, I want to look at some, some details on this as we're, as we're looking at um, these. And we started from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, and now we're going down from there. When we're talking about look, blessed are the merciful, we're now dealing with a new area, new focus. And we're dealing with a relationship of person to person, of individual to individual in that. And it's interesting that the, the first four Beatitudes that we've looked at before we're dealing with a relationship of man with God. In other words, what, 
what was involved in his relationship with the Lord and how that, how that occurred and in relation to others and that sort of thing. And um, we're doing that. It's interesting because what we see here, and if you kind of on your own sometime go back and, and look in the Old Testament and look at the Ten Commandments, it's interesting because there's almost a correlation between the Ten Commandments broken down into four and six. There is to the, these Beatitudes, especially the Beatitudes of being merciful that we have in this. Um, we know that Scripture says that we're to love God and we're to love our neighbor. We're to love other people and, and with all of our strength be able to love and to have mercy. And we're going to define that, what that means. And we're going to really just be looking at a lot of Scripture today to teach us in this. And um, as a pastor, as a teacher, I just want to say that in advance, I feel very convicted on these because I realize in working through it in this week and going through it every day, I realize that these are areas that I need to grow in, that, that we need to grow in, that the body of Christ needs to grow in. You know, I think it's very easy in our society that we're in now, both in politically and, and, and religion and, and everything else that's going on, it's so easy to get caught up in the newsletters and, and what's happening in the day and to get angry that we basically are giving ourselves over to that, and in doing that, we're losing our kingdom focus. It's not that we shouldn't have our eyes open, our ears open, and understand what's going on politically and, and across the world and all the horrors and treacheries that are taking place. But at the same time, we need to, to be kingdom people. And, and this area of mercy is so, so important in that. It's a very difficult one. It's one we may not like, but it's one that is so necessary for us in, in dealing with that. Because we're dealing with each other. We're dealing with, with, with women and men and, and just relationships that we have in there in that. You know, when we look at the, the mercy and, and we look at um, grace, some of you have heard this in acrostic from grace. Uh, that just taking the letters of grace, that grace is God's riches at what? At Christ's expense. Remember that? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. So mercy isn't technically um, tied into grace, but it's very, very similar here. Actually, what we'll see as we go through this, that grace is very difficult to understand. It's very difficult to illustrate or to even in the Greek or Hebrew language to understand the meaning of it there because of the depth that's there. And so we'll be kind of looking at it from various ways to understand that. So we ask the question, what is mercy? You know, what is, what is God's mercy? What is God's grace that he might have for us? First of all, the way I would answer that is God's, God's mercy and his grace is the attitude that he has toward the rebel. You know, that, that in the grace of God and the mercy of God, when we're looking at mercy, we're really looking at this to apply it to our own hearts and our lives and our lifestyle and our walk and all that's there. But the example that we have is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives mercy to us and teaches us mercy. And in the midst of, of our sin and anger and everything else, frustration, he's bringing us back to this sim simple, simple area, that mercy is God's attitude that he has toward the rebel. So many times that, that we just we get angry, get upset, and then we repent, and we're just kind of looking for the you know, for God's um, anvil to come down and hit us in the head or whatever else because we sinned or we've done this or that or whatever. And we don't realize that God loves us. And so in addition to God having an attitude of grace towards us, God's riches at Christ's expense, what we also see is that mercy for us is getting what we don't deserve. And what don't we deserve? We don't deserve forgiveness. None of us ever could have done anything in our own righteousness to forgive 
uh, to, to have the cross event take place, of Jesus giving his life for us. None of us could have ever earned that. There was, as a matter of fact, even going up to the cross, one of his own is betraying Jesus. One of his own, you know, with a kiss betrays him and takes him to where he's going to die on the cross. And so, so we see that. But even in that, the Lord is showing us that mercy means receiving what we don't deserve. We so many times look at our walk with God and look at our walk with one another and look at our accomplishments or don't have our accomplishments that we, we're discouraged about. But so many times we look at those and focus on those you know, as if there's some real merit in there. We need to understand when it comes to mercy, there is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves that can demonstrate or show um, or even to give away the mercy that the Lord has. It comes from the Lord. You know, mercy is God's attitude to those in distress. And in that time, as I said, it's when we're not getting what we deserve. It's interesting, in the Hebrew language, I'm just going to read um, just a little bit of a study that I got from William Barclay on this. I really um, like a lot of the things he has, the, the background and all. But the Hebrew word that we have for mercy is the Hebrew word, and I'll say this in Hebrew. It's going to sound like I'm spitting, but that's, that's Hebrew here. Okay? It's chesed. Everybody say chesed. Well, that's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Just don't spit at your neighbor. No, I'm just teasing there. But that's literally what it means. And, and when we come to this word, it's really an untranslatable word. Um, it doesn't mean just uh, showing sympathy or feeling sorry. But literally, it, it deals more with the ability, the ability to get into another person's situation. Let me just read some of this to you. said that when it comes to the term merciful, you know, that only the merciful will receive mercy. It says there's even more to this beatitude than that. The Greek word for merciful is elemon. But as we repeatedly have seen, the Greek New Testament, as we possess it, goes back to the original Hebrew and Aramaic. The Hebrew word for mercy is chesed, and it's untranslatable word. It does not mean only to sympathize with a person, and in the popular sense of the term, it does not mean simply to feel sorry for someone in trouble. Chesed or mercy means the ability to get right inside the other person's skin. Now, this is, not, this is talking about in a positive way. You know, I know it's really easy sometimes to let other people get into our skin and it upsets us, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the ability to, to grasp and to feel and understand and, and to contribute the love and grace and mercy of God to a person there. The building inside another person's skin until we can see things with his eyes, think things with his mind, and feel things with his feelings. Have you ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll just say for me, occasionally there may be a situation with a person or an event or something that takes place that really stirs my emotions and not in a healthy way. And maybe I get angry or judgmental or, or upset or what else is in that. And then somehow the Lord will bring a way that in the midst of that, he gives me eyes to see the person, the individual, the event, whatever's taking place from his eyes. And sometimes the Lord will speak and, you know, and it's almost like the Lord will, will speak a word of rebuke and it's like, I died for that person. You know, and, and you think of this, especially, I'll just confess my sins, you confess yours later. But, you know, in the political arena or so many other arenas, you know, I've realized and I've had to repent over and over because 
my thoughts and my attitudes and my desires in the natural don't line up with the desires of God. Because God loves all of us. He loves all that have been created. He doesn't certainly isn't happy about lifestyles and, and decisions and areas that we make and what we're doing to one another. But still, we have the heart of God in that, and he's trying to show us this again, that he wants us to see things from the, from the Lord's eyes. He wants us to see. That's what this merciful is all about, seeing things with his eyes, thinking things with his mind, and feeling things with, with his feelings on the Lord or whatever situation that we're dealing with. Clearly, this is much more than an emotional wave of pity. You know, Bob Jones, who's now with the Lord, a prophetic friend that's with the Lord now, used to say all the time, in kind of his country, Arkansas twang, he said that he didn't, you know, he didn't think much of giving anyone pity because pity doesn't help. But mercy and being able to really give to the person encouragement, an encouraging word, or give, show them the love of God is so much more than just pitying them. And oftentimes we can pity someone, oh, isn't that sad or isn't that, but we're not getting to the heart of the matter. We're not understanding that. And that's what mercy is all about. So much more than just an emotional wave of pity. It and clearly shows that this demands a quite deliberate effort of mind and of will. It denotes a sympathy which is not given, as it were, from outside, but which comes from a deliberate identification with the other person. In other words, it's not just something outwardly, but inwardly we have to come to the place of that we may have forgiveness, that we may have to, to, to bless someone in some way. I can remember when I went through a season of um, before I had individuals both that were inside. The, this has been a long time ago, so you won't even know what I'm talking about. That, otherwise, I wouldn't talk about it. But I remember that there were individuals that said and did things that were very wrong and very hurtful. Has anyone ever had that happen? Not, not in your own family or anything. But, you know, but has anyone had that happen? And, uh, and these were spirit-filled people that loved the Lord, apparently didn't love me, but loved the Lord. And, and they not only were feeling these things, but they were vocalizing them out loud. And I found out. And it was very, very hurtful. You know, and, and in my flesh, you know what my flesh wanted to say? Get them, God. <laughs> so I just confess my sins. You confess yours. But I would just, I was just, um, it, it, the pain was so differently and it had been such betrayals. It came, I just like, oh, God. And I'm just... I was so angry and everything, and then the Lord just spoke to me one day and said, do you want to be free of this? And I was like, yes, Lord, I want to be free. I, want to be, I don't want to carry this around. I just want, I'm so tired. I'm so, I have to repent every day. And the Lord said, well, then just ask me to bless them. And when the Lord said that to me, I was like, you know, my mind's thinking it through. It's like, but Lord, if I bless them, won't that make others think that they, that he was right and I was wrong. And it's, Lord, and it's like the Lord said, do you want to be healed or not? And I said, oh God, whatever the cost, whatever the cost. And so I remember in that situation of where I began to pray for God to bless them and for God to deal with that and for God to, to bring his healing to me, which he did, which he brought healing to me. And then that really the rest of the matter was up to him. You know, he is a big God. He does know what he's doing, and, and he'll take care of things, even though a lot of times we think we need to help him out in that. So that's what we see here. It's, it's, it says sympathy is derived from two Greek words, which literally means coming together with, 
and it means also to experience or to suffer. And sympathy means experiencing things together with another person, literally going through what that person is going through. And so that's just kind of a long way of talking about what chesed is, what this, this whole thing uh, of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, and the, all that's there. Um, I want to look at Psalm 136. You can look there with me if you want to. We'll just, we'll just look at a little of it. But Psalm 136, this is a passage that we've used before of where we were using it like um, a rabbi would use and they would say a portion and then there'd be a response. And we're, not, we're just only going to do two or three verses of that and then you'll remember it here. But literally we have this of where the cantor would say his part and I'll be the cantor today. And then we'd respond there. Psalm 136 says, and the first thing is, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then the response is, his love endures forever. And I won't make you say it there, but the, the term there, his love, is literally his mercy, his chesed, you know, the steadfast love, the love that, that we can't even comprehend. It says, and, and then it goes on, give thanks to God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And it goes on, and you can just have down to 26 different verses on that. But again, I think it's kind of interesting and very profound that in the Old Testament, that we have a passage that, that does this and goes through all of these, these verses down to verse number 26. It goes through all of these just to remind us and to kind of burn into our hearts and burn into our lives what mercy is all about. That was Psalm 136, verses 1 through 26 there. Just the whole idea of, of what it is to do that and to move in his love and to, and to just, it's almost as if the Lord was, was, was bringing us through the, the psalms that we have, just a reminder that this is to be our daily response. This is to be our daily attitude. Even if things t uh, take place that disturb us, our focus has to be on thanks to God and on the enduring love of God, the chesed of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, all that's there. Because if we want to live our lives and be productive for the Lord, then we need to understand this important, important beatitude, you know, about blessed are the merciful, blessed are the merciful, because that's what we want to do in that. We want to be able to put ourselves in the other person's situation. We want to be able to deliberately in our walk and with, with them and with the Lord to do what he's called us to do. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me just look at that. And this is going into the spiritual gifts, but I want to look down at, oh, look down at verse 18, and then we'll skip down to below that. In verse 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, In fact, God has placed the parts of his body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And then going down to verse 24, it says, a little past there. But God has put his body together, giving greater honor to parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, what? We're all supposed to suffer. If one part is honored, then we all give um, joy and, and honor, and, and we, in, we do that together. Again, this is showing us when we're talking about mercy and the blessed are the merciful, that blessed are the merciful is not looking in the mirror and at what we do have or don't have or hurts or wounds or whatever else. 
It's all about focusing upon the body of Christ. It's all about focusing upon others. It's all about in our lives to, to see what the Lord is saying and doing there. And then Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, just a short little verse here. I love this. It says, he, he's, he has shown you, O mortal. It used to say man there, but the translation has changed. So I guess we're all mortal, right? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? And it's just a simple little two or three lines here. Lord, what do you require of me? Here's what it is. To act justly, justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. He has shown you, O oh man or woman or child or whoever, what is good. What does the Lord require? Acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with your God. Isn't it amazing that this little little parable, this little, this little beatitude has so much impact and so much power. And, and again, at least from my, my point of view, in my heart, I realize there's so much more that I need to grasp and I need to understand in the whole process. And then let's look at Matthew chapter 5. We're just going to kind of look at some passages of Scripture today and, and let the Scripture do the talking for us. But in Matthew chapter 5, And verse 38. And this one is titled in my Bible, Eye for Eye. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Now, where did that come from? Where did that come from? This is pretty simple. See, not, you can, yeah, it came from the Old Testament, didn't it? This came from the Word of God. You've heard it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That is in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, you know, that if, you were fighting and knocked someone's eye out, they had permission to, to knock your eye out, okay? Even though they, they weren't reusable during those times. The same with teeth or, you know, and he says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, let them have it. No, that's not what it says. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. Basically, what you do, and you'd have to do this not in a mocking way, or it wouldn't, it wouldn't count, it probably would cause chaos. But if someone does something to you and hurts you, you know, and they, they slap you, you know, not in a mocking way, but in a loving way, you know, turn, turn the cheek. And that, that just goes against our flesh, doesn't it? It goes, I'll confess myself, it goes against my flesh. It goes against my response. It's like, thank God that I didn't have the anointing of Elijah. Because calling down fire, we'd have had a bunch of crispy critters around. You know, it's like, you can't undo that. You know, thank, thank God that we didn't have that. He said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone wants to sue you and take your, your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now, if someone wants to sue you, what do you do? Find the best, meanest, toughest lawyer in town, right? Yeah. One that can get retribution, Okay. Then we've got to go back to first grade because that's not what we're looking at here. It says that if he wants to sue you or take your shirt, say, well, here, take my coat as well. That just, that just goes against our flesh, but that's what the merciful is all about. If, it, if anyone forces you to go one mile with him, go two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. It goes on, he says, verse 43, you have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, whether it was said or not, we're pretty good about the second part, hating our enemy. I don't know how we are about loving our neighbor, but we kind of get down to hating your enemy. 
But the Lord says, and this is in red, red letters, so it's from the Lord. But I tell you, love your president. But, but, but. All right, is this being recorded? Yes, it is. Love your neighbor. Okay? Love your neighbor. You know, it says, and hate your enemy. So that's what you say. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do you realize this was such an important thing for Jesus to say in the New Testament? Why? Because in a very short time, both he and his disciples and his followers were going to come under heavy persecution, some of which came from um, religious people who thought they were serving God and and in effect many times even killed them. Can you think of someone who was named Saul who became Paul? He went about thinking he served God, that he was doing the will of God and, and, the, and advancing the kingdom of God. And he'd had the great, a great biblical teacher and everything, but he went everywhere ransacking and taking families to prison and having them killed, having them imprisoned. And he thought he was serving the Lord because he had this self-righteousness and these people are wrong and I've got to take care of them. When in effect... It took the blinding presence and the light of God to set him down and then with with prophetic word that came to him and changed his life until he became one that suffered the stripes and, and, and much of what he had been involved in. And the Lord says, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Now I read that and sometimes I wonder, and blessed are the merciful, I wonder if how the Jews and the leaders of the New Testament church felt about Saul before he became Paul. And I sometimes wonder if there wasn't someone or someones that in the midst of that had the heart of God and cried out to God and said, oh God, instead of killing him, would you change his heart? And what happened? If that prayer took place or whether it did or not, it's hypothetical. God touched Paul, Saul, who became Paul, and he changed his heart. And he gave his whole life for the Lord and much of the New Testament that we have. Just an amazing thing if we're moving in mercy and not in vindictiveness. He says, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the bad guys, but not the, no. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? You say, well, I'm, I'm really, you know, we love one another with the love of the Lord. That was an old chorus he used to sing. He said, if you love those who love you, what reward? Are, you not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you know what that word perfect means in the Greek? It means be perfect. It means like there's no slack here that the standard is holiness. The standard is the mercy of God. The standard is walking in someone else's shoes and understanding their hurt in that and, and working way through doing that. Showing mercy, showing mercy, such a, a difficult thing to do in the, in the whole process. All right, let's go ahead and look at another passage of Scripture. Let's look at um, James chapter 2. James chapter 
and we're going to be looking at verse number 13. I'll start in verse number 12. James 2, verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives them freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Man, those, those two verses have a lot in them. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Say that last part with me. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Oh, it's so easy to get caught up in what we think is righteous judgment. It may be, but we, the heart of the Lord is mercy. The heart of the Lord is that. I mean, that's the, that's, Jesus died on the cross, but he didn't do it because we, were, we had earned the right for that. He did it because of his mercy. He did it because of his love. Just such an incredible thing that we have from the Lord, from the presence of the Lord and the heart of the Lord in the whole process there that we see there. You know, it's interesting, even in, in the Lord's Prayer, let's see, Matthew 6, I have that. Just a second here on my notes, let me look here. Well, I'm not seeing it right now. But basically, what we're, even in the, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray for, for God to forgive others how? What's the rest of that? You know, Lord, forgive others as, as we forgive others. Wow. What we're basically praying is if, if we're not living and walking out what, he, what we're saying, you know, what we want to say to the Lord, then it's just like it's canceling the other out. We need to understand that. We need to understand that, that the Lord's prayer on forgiveness was for us to do that, was to pray for others and to bless others in that. You know, to do to others what, what not to do to others what they've done to us, but to do to others what God would do to them, to bless them, to encourage them, to strengthen them in that whole process. You know, basically what the Lord is dealing with here is he's dealing with this whole area of us dealing with forgetting our rights. You know, because it's like we have our rights. We have our rights. You know, they don't have a right to do that. And that may be true. That, that is true many, many times in that. But one of the things that catches us and that gets us in trouble is this. It's something called the doctrine of fairness. The doctrine of fairness. Can I tell you something about the doctrine of fairness? It's not in the Bible. As a matter of fact, where it's most... It finds the most soil, the doctrine of fairness, is something that we would call humanism. You see, we can't be living as, as blessed are the merciful if we're caught up in, you owe me. You owe me a pound of flesh. You owe me this. You owe me that and that. Again, coming to the place of where the hesed of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, very, very hard to do, to deal with. But God's called us to do that. He's called us to to walk in that and to live in that, in that whole process. Look at Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verse 37. It says this, do not judge. Say it with me. Do not judge. 
and you will not be judged. We like that one, right? <laughs> Do not judge, you'll not be judged. Do not condemn, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Now, we like that, right? We don't, we don't like forgiving, but look at this. That it says, give, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is in, in um, Luke chapter 6, beginning verse 37. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing passage. That when we come to the place that we can live a life of hesed, of forgiveness, of showing mercy and showing grace instead of showing anger and animosity and vindictiveness and I'm going to get even, all of that. If we can come to the place that the Lord can bring, begin to bring the axe to that and the fire to that and deal with that in our lives, that we see that, that the result is unbelievable. That as we, as we give grace, as we give mercy, as we give encouragement in that, it says that good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into your lap. It's like that the Lord will give us um, the chesed, the mercy, the grace, what we need in, in a way that we can't even contain. It just it overflows, overflowing in that. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing that the Lord says there. Skipping down to verse 41, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention to the plank. And some of the older translations I love are some of the newer paraphrases you say are the two before that's in your own eye. You know, as a contrast. Why are you so focused upon this guy that has a splinter when you've got a two before sticking out of your, sticking out of your eye? In other words, sometimes we think that someone else's sin is so apparent or what they're doing or saying or the way they're living, and we can be so critical and yet if we could look in the mirror of God's word and the mirror of his presence and see what's really in our heart and lives, boy, it, would, it, would, it could lead to changes. He goes on, he says, how can you do that? How can you fail to see the plank in your eye? You hypocrite. Hypocrite literally means that you say one thing but do another. You know, that are you doing one thing and saying another. That, that's what that literally means there. He says, first of all, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to move the speck from your brother's eye. It's interesting. What he's saying was, in, in kind of a slipping it in way, is that we always get focused on all that's wrong with the other person or the other situation. And in effect, that, that what we have sometimes is actually more than what they're carrying in that. And God, again, wants to deal with that in our hearts and our lives. In this whole area, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those that, that do that. In Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, and we're almost wrapping up here, in verse number 21, parable of the unmerciful servant. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Now understand here that, that when Peter came, when he said seven times, he was taking a standard that was like two or three times more than the rabbinical standard. In other words, he was going beyond like, like, well, you know, I've got seven times. You know, it's like instead of three strikes, you're out, seven strikes and you're out. That's the way he was looking at it from the rabbinical understanding of the time. So he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother 
And, and he extended, it was supposed to be just a few, he extended it past there thinking he'd get a attaboy. And here was Jesus' response. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some translations or some different gospels will say 70 times seven. That's one thing to, to have faith or grasp, okay, I can put up with three times, or I can put up with seven times, but 70 times seven. Because you see, what the Lord is saying is the matter of forgiveness and the, and the matter of mercy has nothing to do with, with fulfilling legalistic requirements. It has to do with the heart. It has to do with that. And he gives this illustration of the king of, a, the king of heavens like a king that's settling account with, his, uh, with those that owe him money and some owe a lot. One had, you know, that owed him 10,000 bags of gold and and um, everything that was involved in that. And somebody, he would cancel the debts, you know, and, um, and, and say he would pay back. And then he found out that the very ones he canceled debts for then went after someone else that owed them money. And the response of this was that because he wouldn't do that, the master calls him back and says, you're a wicked servant. He says, I canceled all your debts because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And then the results of that is, it says, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured till he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, what he's saying there is that we're not going to get in a situation that God's forgiveness can't reach in, the cross can't reach in to, to our sin and our hard-heartedness and everything there. But what I think the Lord is saying, we're talking about the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God is that it is serious to him that when we in our hearts don't follow up on our word and we're, we're angry at others and judgment of others, but we don't deal with our own heart, there are consequences that are there that we need to deal with, that we need to understand in that whole process. So the application day for blessed are the merciful is that we have been forgiven. God is giving us mercy. And so that means that we need to, to be careful and to try to stop and ask God to give us a tender heart so that we can develop a lifestyle of forgiveness and a lifestyle of giving mercy. Instead of focusing upon the two before or what others may be carrying or what they may be saying or what they may be doing, that we need to look in the mirror. It's very interesting because in one of the, uh, the texts that's in the New Testament, it talks about looking looking in the word of God and it's like looking in the mirror that the word of God is is like the mirror of God and that we can looking in the word we can see what's in our own hearts we can see in that's in our own lives in that and that's what God's called us to do is to learn to trade legalism and anger and attack and judgmentalism and all of that to just say God take that away from me take it away from me let me walk and live in your grace because scripture says the merciful will be shown mercy. And it comes down to that whole thing, the principle of reaping and sowing. You know, and scripture is very, very true and very clear that what we reap is what we sow. And I know that, that in my life and in my heart and, and in my journey, there's been a lot of times that I've, my reaping has been some pretty bitter roots and some, some, some bad seed in that. And my prayer and my cry as, as I come across those and I deal with those is, oh God, Take them away. Give me a tender heart. Give me, give me the ability to bless others and to, to be a blessing to others. 
So that may that be not just for me, but for us. May it be for, for the body of Christ. If there was ever a time in my remembrance that the body of Christ needs to demonstrate to our nation, to our leaders, to the world, if there's ever been a time we need to demonstrate the love of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the heart of God, I'm just so afraid now as people look at Christianity and they, and they see so much of the expressions of it that their response is, why would we ever want to be a part of that? Because all they see or hear or choose to hear is the anger and the vindictiveness and this and that. And I just say, God, give us hearts that love. Give us hearts that are full of mercy so that those that don't know you and those that aren't walking with you, that you could bring into your presence, that you could change their hearts and change their lives, change ours as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for the Beatitudes. We thank you, Lord, that you show us what our attitudes should be. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've called us to be merciful. And Lord, we would all confess, I confess for myself, that there have just been so many times that in my walk that I've not walked in mercy. There are times that when I was hurt or angered or frustrated, that Lord, that I carried in my heart attitudes that didn't need to be there. And Jesus, as I cry out to you continually, cleanse my heart. Cleanse our heart. Cleanse the heart of our church. Lord, would you just heal marriages? Would you heal relationships that have been broken and hurting? I pray, Lord, that you would just bring to us and in us Lord, just a glow and a love of your presence that's so strong that instead of being repelled by our presence and our attitudes and our thoughts and ways, that those that don't know you would be drawn into our presence and that we could give them the word of the Lord that brings healing and strength, love and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.